Good morning, KGF. It's Marissa. And here with me this morning, I have Heidi. And she is one of the wonderful women who works at Harmony House. I'm so excited to hear her story. Um, Heidi, you're also a hub leader. And I would love to hear how that has happened for you um, at Harmony House. Well, I'll give you a little bit of my background first. Um, I went through Harmony House 13 years ago. And uh, if it wasn't for there, I'd probably be dead. But uh, through the grace of God, I ended up in Harmony House. And I remember thinking, you know, one day I'd love to run a place like that. If I had my own house, full, I'd fill it full of women and do the same thing. And, and God's brought me full circle. I, I worked down at the mission at the front lines and worked in the shelter. And it's brought me um, a lot of knowledge on how to handle our ladies and to be able to listen to what their hearts want and what, what their hearts need. And uh, it's just been a great experience. Hmm. I love that. I love just how, um, like, I, you're you're at Harmony House. For those who don't know, it's a place for women <laughs> to to get back to work their way towards wholeness. Um, and God has equipped you for that. Uh, but you're also a hub leader. So can you kind of give us a, a walkthrough of how that happened? Well. I started going to KGF and it felt uh, like home right away. Mm -hmm. And I really missed it when it stopped. And I was thinking, you know, how do, how do we keep this going? And uh, one of the ladies that was staying here at Sela House, because we have two other houses now for just for women. Mm -hmm. And um, she was watching it in her room on her computer. And I was watching it on in my room on my computer. And I was thinking, you know, there's got to be a way that we can pull all this together. Mm -hmm. So with the little technology that I had, I uh, hooked up my laptop to the TV in the front room. And we slowly started going from there. We had two and I believe we got up to eight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Um, how have you seen God work through that? Well, lots of people don't, don't do well on their own and they'd like to be in community and God has brought the right people here mm -hmm. um, to be available to watch live stream KGF mm -hmm. and to be able to do it with other people and watching them grow. And then afterwards, we'll have deep discussions. It won't always be about the question that was asked, <laughs> but yeah. we do have great discussions mm -hmm. uh, around it nobody leaves right away we all just sit and we and we talk and it's it's such a great thing that's been put in place so that we can do that hmm that's so good and it, I and I think in many ways it doesn't really matter what the question is um but it's that you're wrestling with those things together ah that's so good <laughs> I think I also love too just how like you were talking about I would love to have a house of women and how God has orchestrated in your life, you know, you've walked through Harmony House. That's, that's been your experience. But not only that, um, he's brought you to healing. And now he's answering that, that heart cry of yours. Um, what's that been like? What's it like at Harmony House for you? It is amazing. Mm -hmm. I, I, I can look at the ladies and I can totally understand where they're coming from and what they're feeling. 
And it just reaffirms to me that everything that we do, whether it's good or bad, God will take it and turn it to the good. Because without that bad experience that I had, I wouldn't have been able to relate like I can now. And uh, it's taught me a lot to listen instead of talk. Like, you know me, I'm, I'm very off the cuff. I'll be laughing things off, uh, not let you get a word in edgewise. But, but that's my biggest thing that I've learned is to be still and to just listen. People just need to be heard and they need to be acknowledged. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. I think there's a good challenge in that of, you know, we were talking about this earlier of how um, it's a good reminder as I'm living my current experience to be ready for how God is going to, that it is actually God equipping me for the future. Yeah. And what I do now is actually important. Um, yeah, I think Heidi, you have such an incredible story and I would love to go into it, um, but we don't have time. Uh, but church, I hope, I hope you find in Heidi's story and that you have an opportunity to reach out to her and ask her more about it um, and ask about Harmony House uh, of how God is equipping you right now, um, either to lead or to support or to walk alongside another um, to spend time listening and equipping each other. So church, thank you so much for your time. Heidi, you're incredible. I love you. And thank you. be at peace today. You too. Philippians chapter one, verses 27 to 30. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Well, church, it's Palm Sunday, the day Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, at least the day we remember it in our Christian calendar. And kids, I have a job for you today. Now, this one's going to be fun. Uh, my daughter's already prepared this at home, so hopefully you guys can do this. And why don't you draw Jesus, draw a nice big picture of Jesus, and then draw a donkey, or maybe you've got a stuffed one like this. And by the way, kids, I generally hide this little guy somewhere up here every Sunday for you to find out. So this time we brought him out of hiding, and there he is. Then, kids, after you've drawn a donkey, or maybe you have a stuffy, or you've drawn and you've drawn a big picture of Jesus, when the service is over, how about playing pin Jesus on the donkey? Could we do that? Be and then you could read from Matthew chapter 11, um, where, or from the Gospel of Matthew, where Jesus rides in, in Jerusalem, into Jerusalem on a donkey as a humble king. So Palm Sunday, that's today. Do something with your donkey, okay? And by the way, because next week's Easter, um, we have these great little packages. They're hope packages. They've got some little pamphlets in it that talk about Jesus 
You can put your own um, card into a neighbor or a friend, add some chocolates like somebody's done in this one. But you can pick these up from our church building and you could bless your neighborhood. If you've got a relationship with somebody that you've wanted to introduce to Jesus, why not try this this time around as Easter approaches? Maybe you're going to make some Pascha bread this week. Share it with your neighbors. As a hub, as a group, as a triad, maybe you want to do something this coming weekend on Easter weekend to be active as people of the kingdom in your neighborhood. So um, there's a question always that we're heading toward. Today it's this one. Where is our citizenship as Christ followers being tested and how do we witness to God's good news there? That's where we're headed this morning. And after the message, we'll be celebrating communion. We'll do it together virtually for those of you who want to do it, or you can end the service when we put the discussion question up and you can join with your hub or your household in doing communion together. Our family lived for nine years in Surrey, down in the lower mainland of British Columbia, a large South Asian population. And every year there were these huge tournaments of this game that I couldn't figure out what it was. There was even a specific field at a city park in Surrey. It was huge and thousands of people would show up of South Asian heritage to play this huge, strange game, at least in my eyes, that was called Kabaddi. Now, Kabaddi is like a hybrid version of Flags, Red Rover, and Wrestling. It's a really interesting game. It's the national game of Bangladesh, and it's very popular in the South Asian community. And like I said, I'd never heard of it before, but I learned to appreciate it as people, as an expression of the citizenship of a people who were trying to live in a new place while trying still to preserve something from their former home. It's like Canadians, maybe more uh, who, who might decide to play hockey in the Middle East or Arctic Winter Games. If you've ever Googled or watched anything about this, it's awesome. The Arctic Winter Games are uh, uh, First Nations and Inuit peoples from around the northern part of the world, the Arctic regions. And they have these fascinating games in their Arctic Winter Games, like high kick and dog mushing is included. These are all examples of the beauty and the challenge of preserving identity in a changing world. Identity and citizenship, you see, get tested. Could you pass the Canadian citizenship test? You can also Google this and have some fun with it. But here, here's two, just two questions. What is the name of Canada's original constitutional document? Can you figure it out? Yeah, it's not just that document, okay? That doesn't count. It's the British North America Act. How about this question? What are the three main groups of Aboriginal peoples? Can you name them? Well, there's First Nations, Métis, and Inuit. You see, we're all citizens of a place in a moment of history that others have formed from the spiritual parents and giants who came before us uh, who helped form a fellowship like ours uh, to the fact that we should recognize that we live and join God's purposes in the world on the traditional homeland of the Silix peoples in this area. We're always participants in a human story that preceded us, and we are responsible to do all that we can so that those who come after us, after us have a more just 
God-glorifying world to steward. This is our good news responsibility until Jesus comes again. So we should ask the question in all of this and living in this reality is what is our identity and citizenship as God's people in a changing world who are made up of people from many nations and languages and tongues? What does it mean to be the church now when that identity and citizenship in the kingdom of God is being tested? Well, our conversations around that can divide us can distract us even from the main thing that we're to be about as those who name Jesus Lord. So here's a challenging question. How do we Christians live our true citizenship and embrace what is necessary in every time and every place as people shaped by the way of Jesus, the humble King, as we think about on Palm Sunday? Well, let's tackle those questions, shall we? By continuing in Paul's letter to the Christians in the Roman colony of Philippi. He wrote this somewhere around 60 to 61 AD. Let's begin with what he says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Let's just stop there. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of of Christ. That phrase, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy. You know, Paul's actually using a political term there. The word is politumai. It refers to citizenship, the law that you live by, the way of life that identifies you as belonging to a place. That's how it was originally used in the Greek world. Now, kabaddi, that sport that I introduced you to, or maybe you're familiar with before, reveals a way of life that's connected to a place. Somewhere in South Asia, like India or Bangladesh, South Asians in Canada are living, when they play that game, in a manner worthy of or reflective of their homeland. But notice what Paul is saying to Christians. And you got to remember, these are people who have become convinced that Jesus Christ, who was a Jew, risen from the dead to conquer sin and death and usher in a new kingdom altogether, that Jesus is Lord in a Roman colony where loyalty to Rome and Caesar as Lord was national patriotic dogma. And so Paul is saying to them in that very challenging situation, live in a manner that reveals your citizenship is the gospel of Christ. Your identity is gospel good news people. Your lives should reflect worthily on that good news. Jesus' lordship and goodness should be seen in the way you live. Now remember, Paul had just said a few sentences earlier that he lived his citizenship in the gospel in this way, that he was doing the necessary thing for their sake, for the Philippians' sake, and for the gospel's sake, and that they must do that too, that it's a full church effort. Can I ask you a question? Are you conducting your life as a citizen of the gospel, of the good news kingdom that God has burst into the world in Jesus Christ? Can your citizenship be seen? The good news should increasingly shape all of life. 
To be a disciple is to live a whole life beneath a whole gospel. Our lives should increasingly reflect this. Our homes should be where we are living out our gospel citizenship. Our playing, our working, our dealing with our disappointments, our engaging in our society should reflect the character that Jesus is growing in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Our way of life, our citizenship, wherever we are, is, should be worthy of the gospel. It's not something we're earning. It's something living, something where we're living out what has been given to us. The gospel is what shapes the lives of Christians. It's the good news that we keep telling ourselves that sin is forgiven, we're children of God by faith in Christ Jesus, that this is a gift from God, that I am a secure child of God, I am a member of God's family, part of God's church, and part of a kingdom that is not of this world and will never end. And this is the good news we live as our identity wherever we are, whether in sunshine or in storm. I was at a wedding in Ukraine a few years ago. It's a nation at war. We were about 200 kilometers from the front lines. This young couple uh, at the wedding reception, it was beautiful. They had the obligatory slideshow. You've been there, right? The wedding with the slideshow. You see these pictures of these kids when they, when they were kids, and then you see the, as they're growing, and then as they're dating together, and yeah, people weep and people laugh, and it's all funny. And usually there's a song in the background, right, which triggers the emotions a little bit. But the soundtrack to this uh, story of their lives wasn't a love song. It was an English song, though, of all things, an English song by Ryan Stevenson called In the Eye of the Storm. Now, remember, this is in Ukraine. The country is at war. The lyrics went like this. In the eye of the storm, you remain in control. In the middle of the war, you guard my soul. You alone are the anchor when my sails are torn. Your love surrounds me in the eye of the storm. What was this couple doing? They were declaring their citizenry and seeking to live a life worthy of that gospel in the middle of the war. Their manner of living contextualized by the challenge of the place where they lived. Identity and true citizenship tested. This is the Christian's challenge and journey. Live as citizens is what Paul is saying. Never stop living the identity of the gospel in the colony where other ways and identities keep pecking away. And don't they keep pecking away at you and me? Paul continues. Let's go. Verse, second part of verse 27. Then he says, whether I come and see you, remember he's in prison, or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved. And that 
Salvation is by God. Paul wants to know that the Philippians are not capitulating, but standing firm in one spirit, striving together for the one faith of the gospel. Again, you notice it's about the good news. It's about their unity as kingdom citizens who are persevering and enduring, who are side by side for the sake of the gospel. That word side by side is really, it, it describes a wrestling actually, a competing together like a team wrestling in the company of others and laboring together. Identity and citizenship in the kingdom of God will always be tested in a world of split and multiple allegiances. Christians are under Christ, citizens of the gospel of the kingdom. And so we persevere together. We compete on the same team. We are learning what heaven is like and we are a community of kingdom kabaddi in the midst of a colony that doesn't know the game. This past year, oh my goodness, has it ever stretched Christian unity? We've not always agreed. Even in our own fellowship, we've not always agreed or known how to live our citizenship as kingdom people in the realities of this quaking and sick world. Christians have always needed to figure that out. But Paul calls the Philippians to persevere and compete as people of the gospel. The gospel has brought them together. Jesus has brought us together. It is his cross, his resurrection, the spirit of God that brings us together. So living, in a, life, living a life worthy of the gospel is not an option. It is the work of our citizenship. How we compete together, our unity or disunity, is often our witness in the world we live in. Our true citizenship is revealed in our manner of living. Are we coming across as people who are angry, fearful, judgmental, demanding our rights, or are we communicating that we are people of good news, that that is our citizenship? Can our world see that we are competing for a transforming, character-shaping, hope-bringing kingdom that is good news of great joy for all people? This unity and this striving together as citizens of the gospel is necessary because the way of Jesus in the world will face opposition. We need courage to live this gospel. But don't be frightened, says Paul. You know, stand together. He wants to know they're standing together, courageous together, spurring one another on together because it is a sign of God's saving power at work among us. When Christians persevere as witnesses of Christ with lives worthy together of this new citizenship, it is a sign of the team we're on and a declaration of judgment on that which is destroying this broken world. Paul says it's a sign of the destruction of those who oppose you when you live your citizenship and persevere together in one spirit and in unity. Living our citizenship is a sign of what will pass away and what is destructive, that it will be destroyed and an invitation to people to believe that there is such a thing as good news. Remember do you remember how the church began in Philippi? We talked about this a few weeks ago. One of the things that happened is that Paul and Silas were imprisoned in Acts chapter 16. 
because of the disruption the gospel had brought to that city. But in prison, Paul and Silas are singing songs of praise to God. And when an earthquake rips apart the city and the prison, Paul and Silas don't run for freedom. They live as citizens of the gospel. They remain in the rubble. And that provides the opportunity for the jailer and his household to come into the kingdom of God as well. Have you heard of Perpetua and Felicitas? Perpetua was 22 years old and a young mother from a noble family of privilege and high society in North Africa. Felicitas was a slave woman who was also pregnant. They were both arrested for their faith in Christ around 203 AD, again in North Africa. They were only beginning. They had only just begun to learn the way of Jesus, but they knew that their citizenship was now the gospel. Perpetua's father came to the prison and implored her to recant Jesus, to say, I don't believe in him. The authorities demanded that they, both Perpetua and Felicitas save their lives by offering a sacrifice to the welfare of the emperor. This is what happens. I will not, says Perpetua. Are you a Christian? She was asked. Yes, I am, was the reply. And they were condemned to death. Perpetua, and it's fascinating, this is one of the early church documents that remains. Perpetua wrote a letter and she wrote this following her sentence of death. Some days later, an adjunct named Pudens, who is in charge of the prison, began to show us great honor, realizing that we possess some great power within us. And not long after that, they were killed in the Forum of Carthage in North Africa, a public unified display of citizenship in the gospel to live as Christ to die is gain your witness our witness is a sign of the destruction gripping so many people who are bound to powers that enslave but you are a people who know new life the life that will never end live your citizenship in all times, in all places, this is the sign of the hope of Christ because the test you see reveals our true colors. Identity and citizenship will be tested. Will Christians capitulate when the going gets tough? Will we retreat and act like citizens of our previous hopelessness? Or will we live our identity and embody the life and witness and the ways of our Lord who came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many? Will we embrace the anger, the fear, the attitude of our society, or will we be citizens of a whole and eternal gospel? This is what Paul is contending for with the Philippians. But this way of life is not always welcome, he continues. Look at verses 29 to 30. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, listen very carefully, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Did you catch that? Paul is saying it's God's gift to us to not only believe in Christ, but to suffer for him. The word granted is a gift 
bestowed. It is a favor word. God's favor and gift, you see, is not just believing in Christ for salvation and wholeness and new identity as a child of God. To believe is to entrust yourself to God, being persuaded by his power and the good news as ultimate hope and truth. But God's favor, says Paul, is also suffering. The word there is pasco, the Greek word for passion, for deep emotion, for feeling what someone else feels and is going through. Pasco, it's pasca bread some of you will make. This coming week is where what is believed, passion is where what is believed becomes real. The real world, the real emotion. It's what a young man is overcome by that makes him endure Anything to win that woman who has captured his heart. He'll suffer even in front of his buddies and act like a fool if necessary. It's what causes songwriters to croon about the pain of love and the suffering of passion. You see, suffering, this kind of suffering, is joy. It's the experience of what God feels for the world that caused him to act, to give his son for us. Hebrews chapter 12, verses two to three says that we are to fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the beginner, and the perfecter, the finisher of our faith. Why? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy set before him. This is our model, our hope, our transformation, says the New Testament scriptures so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. This is the joyful passion of God for us. And yes, it is the gift that we are given. We want the belief without the suffer. And so we end up with a citizenship that does not live worthy of the gospel. We live a dual citizenship, a faith that is in our heads, but untested and shaky, uninspiring and uninviting. Suffering, the test of citizenship, moves faith beyond the intellect and into the real world. Is your faith just an intellectual set of ideas that you kind of think about or agree with? Is it just religious observance? Is that what faith is? Or has it been tested and tried and become passion? If not, why? And if not, what is the citizenship that you have chosen? What news has your allegiance? And is it good news? Is the manner of life that allegiance is producing in you truly good news for the world? Suffering and passion. This is the test of citizenship. And God will gift it to us. And it has been granted for the good news on behalf of Christ to test our faith. It is in this that we step into the gospel, a hope to be embraced and lived in the place that we now find ourselves. Let me ask you a question. Look at the table here. Um, what's this, kids? Got a lemon. What happens if you squeeze a lemon? Oh, lemon juice. Yeah. What happens... If you squeeze an orange, orange juice, what happens if you squeeze a grape? Oh yeah, 
What happens if you squeeze a Christian? If you get squeezed, what citizenship leaks out? We are the church, citizens of the gospel. What is the Spirit calling us to today, now, and for our world? Lord, we humble ourselves before you. We give you thanks and praise that you have won for us, Jesus, a citizenship that will never fade. It will never fail. You call us to live that citizenship right now. You've granted us salvation because you went to the cross for us. You rose from the dead. You've given us your spirit and you will lead us and grant to us also that which will test our faith and not just individually, but corporately. Lord, would you forgive us where we've been unwilling to endure that test, where we've been stubborn and rebellious, where we've demanded our way, where we haven't learned and are not yet learning what you need to teach us so that our citizenship in the gospel might shine through, that we might reflect the goodness of our God, the shalom and hope that he brings and the way of Jesus, which is to take up our cross and follow him. So Holy Spirit, fill us and use us for your glory and be glorified through us, your people. In Jesus' name. Amen. So here's our question that we can spend some time talking about in our hubs, our households. Really want you to have a conversation about this. If you're able to be with others in any way, have this conversation because we don't just gather like this so you got something to do for a while. We do this because discipleship growth together is what matters so we can know Jesus and make him known. Here's the question. Where is our identity as Christ followers being tested? And how do we live as citizens of good news there? Where is our identity as Christ's followers being tested? And how do we live as citizens of good news there? I'll leave this question with you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And if you're wanting to stick around and enjoy communion together virtually, please do. Otherwise, dive into this question together right now. Well, uh, here we are at the table, and uh, thanks for joining in our virtual communion. I know it's different, and it's maybe difficult, but we're so glad we can be connected in this way to one another, this spiritual connection that is ours because of Christ. And in this sign and this act that we participate in together, it's the sign of our citizenship in the gospel, and we share that together. So if you've given yourself, your life to Christ as Lord, repented of your sin and are growing as a disciple, you're welcome at this table, wherever you are. You're a brother and sister in Christ. We're together in the family of God and we're gathered in obedience to what Jesus called us to. You're going to be able to follow along with a liturgy that will uh, become the full screen in just a second. They'll be a part for me. They'll be a part for you. I'll guide you when it's time to to uh, drink the cup and eat the bread together. So have your elements ready. Have the bread and the cup. And we squeezed one of these grapes before 
And we recognize in what we're about to do that Jesus was broken and crushed for us. So let's begin. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Read with me. Listen, the Lord who fed the thousands on the hillside, who fed the 12 in the upper room, listen, he stands at the door and knocks. If we hear his voice and open the door, he will come in and eat with us. Jesus invites all his disciples to feast at this table. All who are members of God's covenant family, living in obedience to God and with integrity towards their spiritual brothers and sisters, gather to celebrate their communion with Christ and each other. Join in. Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. Forgive our sins our pride and self-sufficiency, our bitterness and division. Help us to examine ourselves and give us the grace to repent. We will leave the gifts of our worship at the altar until we have made right that which needs mending with you or in the church. And then, O oh Lord, your kindness and forgiveness will feed our very souls. Now, can we just pause for a second before we continue? We just said some pretty strong words about mending that which is broken. Let's just pause and listen to the Spirit of God. If there are places of unreconciled relationships in your life with other believers, you might want to note that. Perhaps text them, maybe pick up the phone today and talk to them. But let's pause and listen to what God is seeking to say to us that we may truly be one. Let's continue. Now be a great time to grab the bread, put it in your hand, feel it. On the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. He gave thanks and he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Pass the bread if you're with others. Break a piece for yourself. Let's all read together now before we eat. Father, we bless you for the bread, for this sign of Jesus' body, for his life of compassion and his example of humble service. This loaf unites us in the one body and strengthens us for ministry. Lord, remember your body and deliver us from evil. Brothers and sisters, let's eat together.
now grab the cup, whatever form you have it in, hold it in your hand, take a look at the swishing going on in that cup. In the same way Jesus took the cup, he blessed it and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Please pass the cup, make sure everybody's got one. And let's read together. Father, we bless you for the cup, for this sign of Jesus' shed blood, for his death on the cross and his sacrifice for sin. This cup welcomes us into a covenant of forgiveness and promises us the riches of eternal life for Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed and we have been brought over from death into life. Let us drink together, brothers and sisters. Now let's conclude by reading these words together. As often as we do this, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Come, Lord Jesus. It's a joy to celebrate this together. You know, the scriptures say we do this until we can do it forever in the kingdom of God. And it feels a lot like in this season and over this past year, doing this together is actually a great practice and anticipation of that great feast together with the Lord and one another and with those who have gone before us and those we've never met who are children of God. Could we end singing the doxology together as we go to live out our citizenship? Here we go. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Trusting your voices were carrying me and we were living in harmony because Christ, our Passover lamb, has been given for us. The Lord bless you, church. Let's go live it.